Welcome everybody. This is Thomas Kuster welcoming you to today's podcast, The Language of Love. Is it possible to be a happy couple, a joyful couple, even in the face of the ups and downs of life? The fears and the frustration from having to provide for oneself and our families, for having anger that we hold on to when we've been wronged, the grief from illness and loss. How do we, how do we embrace the reality of our lives, the unavoidable challenges without pretending and yet rising above that which is inescapable? the difficulties, and the hardships that naturally will come our way. Love is always the answer. Love is more important than your circumstances. Love is more important than your judgments and your opinions. Love is more important than winning or being right. Love is bigger than all of it. Everything bows to love. So put love first. Put the couple first. There was a time when we all hoped for, some of you prayed for, and many even worked for, being a joyful couple, a happy couple, an amazing couple. And then somewhere, we lost our way. We forgot how much that mattered to us. You see, not a single one of you said to your best friend when you were growing up, I hope one day I have an average, ordinary, somewhat interesting relationship. I hope we don't fight very often. I hope that we connect sometimes and perhaps even get intimate once or twice a year. Nobody says that. Nobody ever says that. You and I have developed some bad relationship habits. Over time, and as we've gotten dominated by our work, our careers, and the stress that brings, those habits slowly become more important than what we really want. We've lost sight. We've lost our way. We spend more time trying to minimize or get rid of stress and our problems than expanding our experience of being fully alive. We've been taught, either directly or indirectly, that stress is bad for us and that problems or troubles prevent us from enjoying our relationships, our life. But you see, It isn't stress. It isn't the troubles that prevent us from enjoying our lives. It isn't that that's in the way of building our couple. 
but rather our relationship to it, our reaction to it, our resistance of it. On today's podcast, we're going to learn to convert stress into personal discovery and transformation. And we're going to do that by practicing the language of love. Now let's first determine our own personal bad relationship habit. Because that is the first line of offense in the way of having what we really want in our couple. Now these bad habits, they're all fueled by the same things, but they show up personally. So let's get personal. James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits says, whenever there's a gap between your habits and your goals, the habits always win. We have some bad relationship habits, all of us. And these habits make the outside world, that is our jobs, our hobbies, even our friends, more important than the inside world, which is the couple, our family, our relationship to ourselves, and our spiritual well-being. So let's dig into bad relationship habits. And the best way to locate yours is if you have the courage, ask your significant other. They probably know. They've probably complained to you about it for some time. So if you don't have the courage to ask, then think back to the most consistent complaint that your partner might have about you. And that's very likely your bad relationship habit. But I'm going to help you out here. I interviewed a few people, and I've come up with a list of 10 that will give you a sense of what a bad relationship habit might look like. And then I'm going to give you a minute to look for your own. Here's the list. The first one, he asked his wife, and she said, you're so easily annoyed, and you're annoyed about things that, to me, just don't seem annoying. Number two, I get myself preoccupied in my own thinking during what I believe is my own time and then I get interrupted by my spouse. I get pretty nasty about it. Number three, I have a habit of trying to control everything, especially within my relationship. Number four, I'll pretend to be listening, but while I'm defensive, I shut down and I really don't hear anything. Number five, I automatically point the finger. Boy, it's really embarrassing when it boils down and I find out that it was my fault after all. Number six, 
I'm dismissive. I will dismiss my partner's thoughts, opinions, and ideas, especially if I think I already have it figured out. Number seven, I jump to conclusions and then act too quickly. Number eight, I have a habit of giving the look. At least that's what my wife calls it, the look. It's a look that can be interpreted as, what's wrong with you? And then number nine, I dismiss complaints that my husband has about me, especially when I think they're just not relevant. Add another one here. Take a moment now and consider your own. Now, you're also welcome to consider what you think your partner's is, just as long as you don't tell them unless they ask. Please begin now. Thirty more seconds. Fifteen seconds. And please come back. Of course, if you need more time, simply pause the podcast and come back when you're finished. Habits are habits, and they aren't the easiest to make go away just because you think it's now a good idea. It takes thought. It takes commitment. It takes the discipline to replace it with something else that will serve your intention, your outcome, which in this case is an amazing couple, a happy couple, a joyful couple. Got it? Good. Let's consider how that can happen. The access is understanding and developing for yourself the language of love. The language of love is forgiveness. I'll say that again. The language of love is forgiveness. Now, don't stop listening. Stay with me. I know that you understand forgiveness and that you're likely very forgiving, or at least you try very hard to be. But today, you're going to understand, that is, you're going to get forgiveness in a new way. So stay with me, and let's break it down. There are two kinds of forgiveness, or you might say, there's forgiveness, and it has two sides. 
It has the ordinary side and it has the extraordinary side. So let's take a look at the ordinary side of forgiveness. Ordinary forgiveness is necessary for human interaction. It's not a throwaway, but it's also not the kind of forgiveness I'm pointing to when I talk about the language of love. You see, ordinary forgiveness has built in a kind of dominance. That is, the forgiver has power over the forgivee, making the forgivee submissive in that interaction. It's very subtle, but it is there. Ordinary forgiveness also requires language. Don't underestimate its necessity. It's not inspiring, but it is necessary. While the other side of forgiveness is distinct, that is extraordinary forgiveness. Extraordinary forgiveness requires no language, though it absolutely communicates. The only way to understand this kind of forgiveness is to break it down linguistically. So, the language of love is to be forgiving. So, let's break apart for giving. For, as in you are for something, like a fan is for the team. You are for giving, but not giving like gifting. No, this is distinct. It's giving as in to allow for. You know, you remember the first time you try on a pair of new shoes and they're a little tight and you say to the salesperson, oh, these are a little tight. And he or she will always say, yes, they are right now, but they will give. So it is in this realm of allowing for making room for. You see, things do not last. Nothing lasts. In fact, once something is gone, it's gone forever. Even if there's a new version of it. Forgiveness in a relationship allows for what was to exist again. Who you are allows for us, the couple, to be whole again. So this kind of forgiveness, it allows for, it allows for the breakdowns that will absolutely happen. It allows for stress that gets generated, not just by being a couple, but simply by being alive. It allows for troubles. It allows for insecurities. It allows for one's humanity and sometimes pure unconsciousness. If you are forgiving, you are allowing space for whatever is. You're allowing that which is to be. The space of forgiveness doesn't resist what's happening. It doesn't resist what is. 
It allows for it. It includes it. It makes room for it. As the language of love, forgiveness eliminates judgment. It eliminates the judgment of yourself, your past, your personality parts, your failures, and your accomplishments. The judgment of oneself robs us of the experience of love. And if I am locked in judging myself, I automatically will bring judgment upon others. So this kind of forgiveness, this extraordinary forgiveness, literally determines your future. Each day and each moment, you and I can create and recreate our relationships. You see, I want to be married. I need a good partner to survive. And that's what fuels my taking on my bad relationship habits and developing extraordinary forgiveness. I'm inviting you to be engaged in it, to be engaged by it, to include the ups and downs of life, the ups and downs of being a couple and thrive through it. That's how you can savor all the sweetness of it. I love Scott Peck's quote, and I'm going to end today's podcast with it. Scott Peck, the author of The Road Less Traveled, says, Life is difficult. This is a great truth. One of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it's accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Life is just life. I think that displays extraordinary forgiveness perfectly. Before I close, I want to leave you with one thing. I believe in true love. I believe in love being experienced, love being expressed, and love being expanded wherever we are. And that's why the stages of love exist. Thank you for listening. Send your messages to thestagesoflove at gmail.com. Please follow me on Twitter at tcooster104 and follow me on Instagram at thestagesoflove. Good day.